Hey everybody and welcome back to Life on the Spectrum. I'm springing this on my wife because she doesn't expect me to start right away. But this is the show. So how are you doing? I'm great, John. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. We are speaking today on the most wonderful night of the year. Everybody thinks the most wonderful night of the year, at least in this part of the world, in a Christian-centric, American-centric world, is Christmas Eve, but that's completely wrong. The best night of the year is the night before the first day of school. Because that means that the children are going off to school. And for those of us who work remotely, at home, in an office, with virtual walls, it is so much relief to have some peace and quiet come back into the house at least for the next nine months. Hooray! <laughs> she is really excited. She meant that sounded, but she's really excited. For those of us who work all night long for 12 long hours, mm-hmm. six out of seven days in a week, mm-hmm. Preach we it. appreciate the silence Preach it. of the children Sing it. going back to school. Hallelujah. Au revoir, les enfants. So, as you may have guessed, the kids are going back to school. But for us, kids going back to school is not the same as when most people have their kids going back to school. Because, obviously, school is a bit different for our kids. Um, at least for our two boys. The girls, I'd say it's probably pretty typical. I don't think there's anything out of the ordinary when I think about their school experience, at least compared to mine or yours. Mm, for now, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, we've whispered in the ears of our um, Ava's new teacher, and I'm really hopeful mm-hmm. that he will do exactly what he said he was going to and um, keep a very close eye on her and get the process moving if there's something there that needs to move. Yes, I'm hopeful too. He seems like the fact that they have a low population um, and the fact that he's on it right away and he seems pretty upbeat. I mean, more than other teachers, more than other um, other instructors we've encountered. So yeah, I do. I'm hopeful that she will get the help or at least the attention she needs. Yeah, I mean, I recall our first conversation that that was kind of like, hey, there might not be something right here, mm-hmm. was in kindergarten. Um, the second time, at the end of the year, they took the state tests a second time. And her teacher was like, I don't know if she just can't pay attention. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. This is so weird. Um And every year when she's gotten a new teacher, we've brought these concerns forward. I would say her best year was first grade, Mm -hmm. um, which I think we'll delve into more later. But fabulous teacher who just Mm -hmm. had the tools to work with her. I would say her worst year was maybe second grade. 
Yeah. When she got really involved with another student and kind of just allowed herself to hide behind that talent and then also had an inexperienced teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're going into fourth grade and we all know there's something going on, mm-hmm. but we still aren't any closer to what it is or how to help her or, you know, even seeing progress in her. She's been pretty... I don't know if plateau is the right word or regress is a better word. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like her reading ability. And I don't feel, I guess I don't think that that has regressed. Her math, though, mm-hmm. her math, it seems like she does really struggle trying to do the multiplication. And it seems to me that when she is really highly encouraged, her reading is better. Um, but. Selfly, self-motivated is non-existent and um, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's worrisome to me mm-hmm. as a fourth grader. Though I find it interesting that yesterday she went to the public library with two of her friends and actually did bring home a couple of books I've got in my hands right now. This is The Nest the Robin Built um, by Dennis Fleming and then a Disney book... <laughs> Uh, Forever After, which is Four Wedding Stories, which is so Ava. It just screams her. It's, you know, we got Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, uh, The Princess and the Frog, and Tangled, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm not an expert on what you should be reading in the fourth Mm. grade, Um, but I know when I was in fourth grade, I was deeply in love with the Babysitter Club series Um, and other chapter books like The Trumpeter Swan and Charlotte's Web and um, the Nancy Drew books. So the books you had in your hand just now are very much still children's stories Mm -hmm. that are more pictures than words and um, almost meant to be read to children. So those are not what I would think are typical books for no. this age. Reading. So I didn't like really reading in fourth grade, but I never had that trouble trouble reading. I could read anything they, they gave to me. I just didn't like doing it. It wasn't really until I think it was about fifth grade when I discovered my first favorite book, which was Jurassic Park. And, I mean, that's an adult book. But I was like... Full in on that. So it was never a question of being able to read. It was more just a question of not wanting to do it. Being bored with the material, the books that they gave us. Fifth grade, huh? Yeah, I was pretty young, like, for that material. Yeah, I was just thinking that was old for getting into an interest. Yeah, I'd say it probably was pretty... I was pretty old to get into reading. Yeah. I was not, I did not like it when I was younger. At least, I just never liked the books. And I think a lot of problems with school, what can happen in school with reading in general is that because it's required, it can take something that somebody really likes and really loves with reading and really kind of kill it because now it's required and you have to do it and you have to write it down and record it. Speaking of our older daughter, she loves to read, but she hates recording what she's read. Yeah, I remember in second grade they started that, and it was such a killjoy for her. Oh, yeah. Which was a real shame. So, speaking of Taylor, 
if we think about him in school, he's he was not diagnosed with autism until he was eight. So meant he started school on a kind of regular track. Not, I mean, he did. I should say he had support. He, we did have birth to three, and he did have in school support, but it wasn't autism specific. It still isn't actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Taylor's. So, I don't know. Maybe this is a good place to start talking about the IEP, um, an individualized education program, and what it means mm-hmm. um, in my Laban's perspective. Um, an IEP is a plan for kids that are identified as needing something specialized in their education. They have minimum requirements, which is why Ava hasn't been given an IEP Mm -hmm. at this point, Uh, although she definitely has these concerns that um, we've identified as we talked about since kindergarten. The IEP process is very particular because giving students these special considerations is often expensive for the school district Mm -hmm. And a lot of the process revolves around money and um, teachers are have to be very careful about what they're suggesting to you because right. if they say it in the wrong way, the school district can be legally under mm-hmm. the federal government legally liable to pay for the diagnostics of the testing and mm-hmm. so forth um, with what they're suggesting. And I think... At the end of second grade, um, Ava's teacher called and said, oh, well, I think she might have dyslexia. And I really think if I wanted to, we could have pushed and made that one of those situations where the Mm -hmm. school would have ended up paying for it. I'm not that way. Um, I'm not sure dyslexia is what we're dealing with either. Um, And I think in true spirit of... um, What's the buzzword about transparency? Thank you. (laughs) I hate it when I can't think of the word I'm thinking of. In the true spirit of transparency, I think it's ridiculous that the teachers can't come out to your parents and say, this is what Mm -hmm. I'm worried about. How do parents know what to go back to their physicians and ask for? Even in Wesley's case, it was during his school eval So once you leave birth to three or you're starting to get to that age of three, birth to three starts talking to the school district and the school district does their own evaluation to make sure the kids truly do qualify. And it was at that evaluation that the person said to me, well, Mrs. Stannis, how how long has Wesley perseverated on spinning toys? Mm Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what she was asking me. I didn't know that perseverating is a gold standard for autism. Right. I didn't know that spinning things was a gold standard for autism. And I certainly didn't... I maybe knew about absence seizures, but I didn't have that in my forefront. I wasn't thinking every day, Jesus, is my kid having an absence seizure? So I appreciated that when I called her out as not Mrs. Stannis, the mother of the child you're evaluating, but as a Joe Schmo on the street, should I ask my doctor what? 
she said to me, ask your doctor to evaluate absence seizures versus autism. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know, and we would have spent ages bucking around this problem without knowing what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. It's like, don't throw the needle in the haystack. Help me find the needle in the haystack. Yeah, I think that entire incentive model, rather disincentive model, really is harmful because you're not because they're legally liable and they don't want to have to pay for this stuff because obviously their funds are so short as it is, they hold back and so you're I think you're actively harming, you're actually doing harm by not providing what they think of is the correct information. I mean they were pretty resistant to any kind of autism diagnosis for Taylor. Um, oh my God, it was uh, it was awful, and part of it is the stigma of mental health and labels, mm. and I get that. But without the labels, you can't access a lot of services. So you know, it's a double edged sword. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, um, let me redirect for a second back to what I started to think about at the beginning of this IEP discussion. And that is Taylor, we were talking about Taylor. Taylor got his IEP services because he was getting services for his developmental delays in birth to three. Um, In the first year of school, in kindergarten, they, I can't remember what they called it, severe... Severe mental impairment, severe something impairment. That's how he got his IEP services. And mm-hmm. now he gets it under other health impairment. Right. And we had him tested for autism services. And he did not qualify for autism services in the school setting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is like, crazy. It's crazy. Why do we even have physicians who say, yes, you have all the symptoms of autism, if the school can just be like, nope, you don't. Right. If we didn't have that other category, I mean, we'd be probably going to, don't say to war with the school system as far as services was concerned. Yeah. And, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, Taylor does have some other medical diagnosis Mm -hmm. that support another health impairment, but what the F? (laughs) What the F is with how our education system classifies things that qualify our students to get all this support that they clearly need? And they're demonstrating a need. Isn't that enough? Mm -hmm. Why do they need a specific label and how come the labels don't match? How does a medical diagnosis of autism doesn't not match the educational autism? Ed- educational aut is what they called it. Um, Wesley, by the way, did. Mm. Um, I cannot remember what the difference was. I can't remember. That was a few years ago, but I was stunned. I was like, excuse me? Yeah, what they saw in him that made him meet it, that, as opposed to what Taylor has. Yeah. 
It was it was like one of these yes no right when you go through the uh, the IEPs everybody's form is similar but different and basically there's all these yes no questions and if any of them are a no then at the end they don't qualify and for the educational ought they were like no um, actually I said that Wesley does and Wesley did in Wisconsin. But when we were in the IEP, I feel like it was Oregon Trail, but it might have been Oregon City. Mm -hmm. They said, oh, well, he does qualify, but that won't change anything we're doing. So we're just going to say no. (laughs) Yeah. So what? Why are we going through this process if it doesn't change anything? Mm -hmm. Olivia's over here with her hands up going, what? It doesn't make sense to her either. But IEPs are this insanely complex web of I don't know it's like if you get ensnared in this web maybe they won't have to give you help right enough I, I don't I don't know it's walking a very fine line and everything to find in very certain ways um, which is interesting because when we went to Oregon Trail School District it's like none of that was there because that school district is like they don't even know what they're doing, um, quite honestly. Yeah, it, it felt very much that way. But when you're dealing with, I mean, both the Appalachian Area School District and now the Oregon City School District, it is a very much a fine line and very defined things, like very defined treatment plan, the very kind of um, structured, we are going to meet, we're going to support this goal, which is doing this this many times, very measurable they don't I feel like they want to avoid any kind of ambiguity. They want to have very concrete goals. Yeah, we call them in nursing, we use the same kind of goals. We call them SMART goals. Um, they need to be specific, measurable, attainable, timely, and reasonable. Re- yeah, reasonable. Um, so they have that same structure, and they like, then they dole out like how many minutes per week that's their services they're going to get for them. Which I'm laughing right now because we've been doing this for about 10 years. Well, Taylor's going to be 13 in December. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been doing it since he was three with the IEPs. Before when he was in birth to three, we did an IFSP, which is pretty much the same thing. Yeah. So you and I could argue we've been doing this for 13 years. And I still think the amount of time that they can assign for any given goal is such an enigma. Yeah. How do they come up with that? I'm yeah. going to need 15 minutes a week and a 25-minute meeting for this. Okay. Really? I honestly think it is a shoot shot in the dark. They're kind of like, all right, this is going to give them. And then based upon how much progress they are or are not making, they adjust. That's the only way I can think to give me any kind of sense to it. And let's point out that they only adjust once a year. Yeah. Like, that's a long freaking time. That's a long freaking time. Like, I'm going to reveal this. You know, in my new job, we do our performance reviews quarterly. Yeah. But my child's education progress really only gets reviewed once a year. Mm-hmm. It was the same with, like... Um, in marketing, when I work the way I work, 
yeah, we do monthly metrics and we do constant adjustments. I mean, the whole idea is to be agile, constantly adjusting. And if this is working or this isn't working, what can we change? How can we move it? And we have like 90-day roadmaps. I mean, we have annual roadmaps, but that's like really broad picture. But 90-day is really the very specific stuff. So why? And obviously, again, it all comes back to they don't have the resources. If they could, if they had, you know, if money was not a concern, they probably would have in a ideal scenario, very often repeat review. I remember when we were working with Fox Valley Autism, we technically had a review every two months, right? Yeah. So. And I think that the we talked about the process and the red tape, mm-hmm. you know, to make a simple change in an IEP, they have to get the entire team together. Right. And when I talk entire team for Wesley, that that's like 10 people. Mm-hmm. So that's 10 people that have to add a half hour to an hour long meeting to their life. 10 people who have to try to get together at the same time. 10 people who have to, you know, multiply that times all their IEP kids. Mm-hmm. Like I get the resource problem. I just, yikes, this is my kid's future. This is Wesley who um, is going into fourth grade here. He has about 20 words that he can read, and Mm -hmm. few of them are greater than three letters. Yeah. Yellow. I think you can read the word yellow. And chicken. Chicken. (laughs) How do they come up with the words they pick? I think they're all from this workbook of stories. He brought home, I think it was three stories last year. Mm -hmm. And it was super exciting because on the top it said... Read with no errors. And I was like, are you kidding me? I don't mm. believe this. And I sat down with him and I said, Wesley, we're going we're gonna to read this story. And I held it out in front of him and I pointed at the word and he read the whole sentence. Mm. It was one sentence on the whole page. The whole sentence. The yellow chicken is next to the green airplane. And I was <laughs> like, Oh my God, he's reading. <laughs> I took a video. I sent it to Miss Palmer. I sent it to Alyssa. I'm like, he can read. <laughs> the yellow chicken and the green airplane. Mm-hmm. Which in context makes no sense, but that's okay. He can read. Comprehension comes later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were just trying to set up his IEP. And I remember him the person saying it up kept moving around. We were free for all the time, but it kept moving around because of all the other staff adjustments she had to make for it. Yeah, my favorite part was when she sent me the email. The first email said 2.45 on this day. And I'm like, okay, that works for us. And I don't know, an hour later, she's like, oh, I just talked to so-and-so and they said it has to be at 2.30. Which is really weird. There's never been like... It has to be at this time before. It could be at 2.45. It could be at 3 o'clock. It could be at 4 o'clock. We had if, some at like 7 in the morning. Yeah. As long as all the team members can make it, have it whenever. And sometimes the most important team member. Yeah. You and I. Mm-hmm. That was weird. I, I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Yeah. And we're in the throes of IEP season, which is one of the reasons we thought 
now is a good time to talk about this because every year IEPs are kind of a big deal Mm -hmm. um, because we haven't looked at them in a year. They're just coming off summer. I hate doing IEPs at the beginning of the year, uh, as you know, but some of, I, I don't know, the teachers don't seem to care. I feel like I'd like to end the year with an IEP so the teachers are really familiar with how they learn. Yes. They can write goals that are actually realistic for my child. Mm-hmm. And they're ready to to take off right from day one. Right. In Here's the, the goal we year. decided. I mean, I can even in some ways work towards those goals over the summer where mm-hmm. now I'm still working on last year's goals, hoping that I can make some difference in three months. I don't know. I hate the beginning of the year IEPs. We love the beginning of school, but yes, IEPs are a real pain. We could also talk about other... I mean, we talk about IEPs, we talk about accommodations. Another thing that's changed recently with IEPs is the fact that they're not asking that Taylor be included in them. Because before, it was always the parents. And the really the child wouldn't be involved because, I mean... They're so young. What are they going to know about setting goals? But now the Taylor's gotten to middle school. They started saying, well, Taylor should come to these meetings. We had one we called a emergency or non-regular IEP meeting at the end of the last school year. And they requested what they, not they requested, but they said Taylor should come. No, it was an expectation from the minute we got to Oregon city that Taylor would come to his IEP and, that had never, ever come up in Appleton mm-hmm. or even in Oregon City or Oregon Trail, rather. Did we just not have an IEP when we were at Oregon City with Taylor before? That's probably why I don't... No, I was there. You were not there. Oh, and Taylor was there? Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's why I don't know it. Yeah. My head is thinking that maybe he did go to the Oregon Trail one. Hmm. I don't remember. When we came to Oregon City in the middle of last year, um, they asked that Taylor come. He it was during the middle of the day. That's why you weren't there. You were working. Uh, they called him out of classes. And they talked to him like he should understand that these were all accommodations that he's been getting. Um, at one point believe it was the teacher that was there said, you know, you can't, you can't continue to de- depend on these accommodations for the rest of your life. And I was sitting there thinking, how dare you talk to him like that? He does not even, he's not even aware mm-hmm. that he's been getting these accommodations. Now, I'm, I'm not so naive to think that Taylor doesn't realize he's getting extra help, mm-hmm. but he does not know he did not know that you and I would every single year spend at least an hour, if not more, with five to ten people at his school planning how we were going to get him to the next th- the next thing and the next thing, mm-hmm. and that we would talk about his strengths and his weaknesses, and that we would decide what kind of tools the teachers would use to help him. He doesn't know about the formality of all of that. He he must have had some awareness that 
okay, it's not normal, like not everybody has this teacher that comes and puts them in small groups and not everybody has X, Y, or Z. I like to think that some of the accommodations are actually not so apparent. Like Taylor uses chewing gum Mm -hmm. as one of his accommodations. I like to think the teacher wasn't like, hey, Taylor, here's your slice of gum per our IEP. (laughs) Like, you know... Mm-hmm. but the teacher fully expected that he was aware of this. And he's like, you can't spend the rest of your life expecting people to accommodate you. And I wanted to be like, well, let's wait a second. Cause in my college programs, yeah. there was always a special needs office that would provide accommodations in college. And actually in my job as a nurse, we, have to declare if we need accommodations, Mm -hmm. but you can't discriminate based on the need for accommodations. Right. I think people are so... The the trouble with mental health is that people don't see the same disability as if it was a physical issue. If if you're in a wheelchair, you are completely... You have all the rights to accommodation, and people have no... They've got... There's no questioning that. Yes, you have the right to, you know, have access to all these buildings and such. Well, it's exactly the same with a mental disability. There's no difference. And so he does have the expectation to have some accommodations, reasonable accommodations. Reasonable, yes. In the future. Yeah. So I was stunned. I was so stunned. I don't know that I said much for the whole rest of the meeting Mm -hmm. because it was just shocking to me how that happened. And when we did call our emergency IEP um, gathering at the end of the year, I recall being very strongly opinioned that Taylor should not be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, we decided to speak with Taylor about that, and, and it, it sounded like he wanted to be there. Yeah. Um, which I find curious. But I was really angry. Mm-hmm with respect to that. So one of the questions that uh, we address every year at the IEP is inclusion. Mm -hmm. So the idea the government has put forward, I don't know how recently, but I feel like we've heard it in the last maybe three or four years, is that the services need to be offered in as much of the child's regular environment as possible. And I'm probably saying some part of that wrong. Um, But in Appleton, when the kids were really young, that meant they sent people to our house. And we had education people who came literally in my house and Mm -hmm. would play with the kids in a developmental way. Um, When Taylor and Wesley, for that matter, started school. They were in a normal ed classroom and at times were pulled out for services. At times, the services went into the classroom. And when we got to Oregon last year, um, with Wesley in particular, they were like, oh, we don't do that. And he now is in a special ed classroom um, where instead of being pulled out of his 
normal, typical classroom, Mm -hmm. he's now, you know, for special ed services, he's now in a special ed classroom and pulled into a normal, typical classroom for inclusion services. Though I think it's the way it seemed like the last year in Wisconsin with Wesley, it was pretty much that. It might not have been structured that way, but he was mostly not in his main classroom. I agree. So what I wrote here is special ed, typical classroom, inclusion. Could Wes be more successful in one or the other? Like uh, I was, we went to a um, swim meet this summer Mm -hmm. that was put on by the Autism Society of Oregon and it was a swim time for only kids and their families who have autism. And there was a moment in time where they served some pizza or whatever. And you guys, you and the other kids stayed in the pool. And I took Wesley out to get some pizza. And there was a few of the other moms standing around. Their kids were mowing down pizza like Wesley. And, mm-hmm. and they started talking. And they're... There was a woman who was maybe a little more vocal than the rest, and she was like, so is your kid in a typical classroom or a special ed classroom? And she kind of went around the whole room and, um, you know, typical classroom, typical classroom, typical classroom. And I was like, well, Wesley's in a special ed classroom. Mm-hmm. And there was this kind of, ooh, that went around the room. Huh. And... I thought it was super interesting because they made me feel like there was a choice. Mm -hmm. Like you get to choose if your child's in special ed or typical. And I'm like, that that was not the case. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a choice here. They were like, this is how we do it. And I do think throughout the special ed community, there's this perception that there's choice. I haven't felt like there's ever been much choice. No. I mean, even when you're on the IEPs and you're part of the IEP team, of course, as the parent, they're not asking you typically what your goal is. Mm -hmm. Most of the time they come with their goals already written. Every once in a while I get them to tweak something the way Mm -hmm. I want it to be. Um, I think we're the oddball parents that do that because I'm used to writing goals. Mm-hmm. But I think for most families, they come, they read up their prepared notes, and yep, 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 sign the papers, and out you go. I don't think right. there's choice. They're mostly there for like observation at the beginning. They're always like, let's talk about strengths and weaknesses and kind of bring to the table what they see. But then, as far as determining what to do about it, they're not terribly involved. Yeah, and I'm not sure if I had choice that I would change what we're doing with Wesley. Mm-hmm. I I certainly have hopes and dreams that we're going to see some better progression this year in some I mean, ways. In the half a year he was in Oregon City last year, he made some pretty good gains. Yeah, so you I can can't read. <laughs> so I can't say that their structure is wrong based upon that. No, I, I would like to see some gains in different areas. I would, most 
most prevalently the thing that I find most irritating is that he still won't even try. Like even the thought of writing makes him angry. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would love for some amazing angel of education to come in and figure out how to make his frustration with the thought of writing go away. Mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like how can you even move forward in education if you won't even try to write? I guess you just type everything, but yeah, that doesn't really work. I'm not sure he always, he's even willing to do that. True. Like, I don't know. Ugh. So uh, one other note I had, I don't know what's on your list, mm-hmm. but uh, advocates. This is a concept I have been battling with for 13 years. In Wisconsin, they advertised Wisconsin facets. You call and you get an advocate who's been through IEPs. They have Mm -hmm. suggestions. They'll come to your IEP. They're going to be there as the parental support person. Sounds really great, doesn't it? Yeah. I call that 1-800 number to nowhere. Never had an advocate call me back. I've never had an advocate come to an IEP. I've never had an... I don't think there is an advocate. It's like this wonderful idea in this world, but no one's figured out how to make it work. Are they supposed to be staffed by, like, volunteers? I guess we don't know. If anybody ever called me back from Wisconsin Facets, I would ask. Does Wisconsin Facets even exist? Is it even really a thing? There were pamphlets. That's where I first found out about it. There's a website. Mm. But there is no one behind that phone number. Huh. It's so insane. Um But in the whole special needs community, I've seen lots of talk about advocates. In fact, I got a newsletter from the Oregon Autism Society just yesterday, again talking about advocates. Um, this, these, I think, were, were like county service people. I, I'm not sure. But I gave up on advocates because I have never found anyone that's mm-hmm. really an advocate um, the closest thing I think we got to was in Wisconsin when we had autism services. I would bring in the senior therapist and ask them to join us at the IEP under mm-hmm. this impression that they would have some ideas to throw out there on how to intermingle the school yeah. goals with their own. And for the most part, what we found was they would take notes and they might mesh some things into their own programs, but they didn't say much at the IEP. Yeah, we tried to do a lot of integration between the extracurricular and school programs for education, but they never meshed. They never really tried to. As much as they'd say, all right, we're going to communicate, we're going to make sure our things align, all that stuff, and there'd never be any follow-up. There'd be no communication. And that drove me bonkers because how do you expect, why would you expect to 
individually try to arrive at the same goal, why wouldn't you want to compound mm-hmm. these experiences and these messages so that you could together push to to a goal? Mm-hmm. It, it, it's like you inventing a, a round wheel and we'll look at a square wheel and they'll look at a triangular wheel and hope that at some point it's all going to come together. Mm-hmm. Like it was so ridiculous and frustrating. And a lot of times I got, you know, oh, well, we can't talk to so-and-so. And I would sign all the permissions. Yeah. Like, so we even went so far as we took the director of the center-based care and we brought her in to talk to the principal. Like, come on, people. We're all here on the same team. Mm-hmm. Team Taylor, let's go. <laughs> and Nete. Nete. Crickets. It was so frustrating. I think it was frustrating about school with the kids. And this, I think, is just the thing that anybody with special needs will probably run into, or maybe just people with lots of kids in general, but having so many schools to deal with. <laughs> there was once this dream... Back when Ava and Wesley were getting into, just before, this was 4K, right? Yeah, it was 4K. 4K. Taylor and Olivia were going into first grade. Yeah. And Ava was going to be in the Montessori program, which was also at the um, this, this Montessori Schoolhouse program, which is going to be at Johnston, which is where the kids were. And then Wesley had already participated in the early education program at Johnston. So our thought was, well, he's already been at Johnston. Why wouldn't they just keep going, bringing him to Johnston? And our thought was, oh, this would be great. All four of our kids are going to go to the greatest same school. And then so one fateful day, dream. one fateful day, I don't know if it was an email you got or something. That it was the, a physical letter in the mail. Uh, we first got the letter in the mail that she got into Montessori. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh. This is happening. It's great. And then two weeks later, another letter came. And they said, we're moving the Montessori school to this great new park on the north side of town. And we're like... 25 minutes away. Yeah. Yeah. And then they decide that Wesley should not go to Johnston Elementary for 4K. That Wesley should go to a... In community YMCA for 4K. Yeah, so our school district was making, um, was just implementing a 4K program as the very first year. And they decided that, you know, why not have community based mm-hmm. 4K classrooms? And they chose, I don't know, 10, 15 sites around the community. And they decided that this one would be perfect for Wesley. Yep. Another. 15, 20-minute drive away. It was oddly close to Montessori, but the schedules never lined up well where one would go to the other. No, everything started at the same freaking time. (laughs) (laughs) So we had to be in three places at once. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think there was no busing. We ended up putting Ava in... A daycare half a day. Yes. Because 4K was only a half day program. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like she went to Montessori in the morning and then mm. daycare in the afternoon. Yeah. And I think what we did is we dropped her off. And I think Wesley went to Connections mm-hmm. Center-Based Autism Therapy in the morning, and then a bus picked him up at Connections and took him to 4K in the afternoon. Yeah. Is what I think happened. And then when we picked Wesley up from 4K in the afternoon, then we went over to the daycare and picked mm-hmm. Ava up. And in the meantime, our then seven-year-olds walked back and forth. Mm-hmm to school, which was only a couple blocks away, but we got plenty of grief in the community about yeah. that. Holy cow. Not that we asked for the community's opinion, but mm-hmm. yeah, that was not the dream. That was, I mean, it was three official schools, but when you add daycare and therapy into it, yeah, it, it was, was five, five schools, schools yeah. for four kids. It was an insane... There was so much running around that year just to get a kid from A to B to C. (laughs) I can't even, like... A lot of our friends here have kids who love soccer. Mm -hmm. They are the... They are soccer moms. (laughs) I can't even conceive of it. Like, we did so much running around just to get our kids' education... I can't even allow my thought to go to soccer. Mm-hmm. First is coming up. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's your fault. Yeah, I know. But I just think busing in general has been interesting. They've transported Wesley a lot because of his requirements. And they've had some really nice Routes, I mean, I'm pretty happy with what they're going to do this year for him. The pickup time. Though he is going, he does go kind of far away. But it is a small private uh, private bus. But it's not one of the main school buses. They do come specially to pick him up. So it's not as long of a drive. And they has more supervision. Um, but they were going to bus him from our old house to Johnston, which Drew was just describing as being... Two blocks away, they were going to pick him up at like quarter after seven yeah. and drop him off at like quarter after eight. Yep. It was going to, he was going to drive around on, a, on the bus for an hour to go two blocks for no reason. I don't, it was ridiculous. It was insanity. Mm-hmm. So we just had him walk with his older siblings. And a therapist. And therapist, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the shining moments of education, can we? Okay. Let's talk about Mrs. Palmer. Oh, Miss Palmer. Why can't Sarah. all teachers be Miss Palmer? I don't know. Mrs. Palmer was the first grade teacher that both that three of our four kids have had. Unfortunately, Olivia did not have the joy of having her, but she is the main reason that they had such successful first grades. Why Ava had such a successful first grade. If Ava would have had Mrs. Palmer or somebody similar to Mrs. Palmer further on, I have no doubt that she would be far beyond where she is right now in many of her skills. Because she just, Mrs. Palmer understands Sarah. Sarah understands 
she what well, she has an autistic boy herself. Yeah, which gives her perspective, mm. but she is also just an amazing teacher and mm-hmm. she cares. Yeah. She really, really cares. Mm-hmm. And her personal experience just allows her that perspective of understanding. Mm-hmm. And when you bring the two of really caring and the understanding and the professional knowledge together, you get Sarah, you get Mrs. Palmer. Like, I don't know where some days she finds the inner energy that she has, but it is incredible. And I think when Wesley went to Johnston Mm -hmm. as a three-year-old, Yes. Before before 4K. Um, and that's why I was thinking Taylor had Mrs. Palmer when Wesley was three. And mm-hmm. they were going into second grade, but whatever. Um, Mrs. Palmer would, she had this little like metal drain cover outside the door of her room. And she'd step on it and pretend like... When she stepped on it, it would explode. And and Wesley thought that was the Best funniest thing. thing ever. And even to the very last day we were at Johnston last year, mm-hmm. he would step on that thing and Mrs. Palmer would pretend that it all blew up and Wesley would go, you know. it. She just knew how to be silly with them mm-hmm. in the right moments that made learning okay. Yeah. And I just put Wesley to bed, you know, an hour ago. And he said to me, Mom, I hate school. Yeah. I hate it. And I'm like, damn, because there could be really fun things at school, but everything that sits in the forefront of his mind is the hard stuff, the Mm -hmm. struggle. And we need more Sarahs to make it fun and to make these kids who, it's hard. I'm sorry. It's really hard for Wesley and Taylor. Mm -hmm. We need somebody who can reach into them and make the hard stuff not that hard. Make it like, okay, I know this sucks right this minute. But there's going to be something fun right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Like, it it just, it's so important. And I don't know, it's just understanding how their illness impacts their ability to learn and how to turn those tough situations into something that helps Mrs. Palmer is an amazing musician and she uses music and song and you've listened to the podcast at this point. You've heard Wesley. Mm -hmm. He is a little DJ in his head. Why can't we sing to him and give him the tools he needs? He's been watching that. There's a, one of the, his favorite videos is the series of these number blocks and they sing the numbers and you can start to see him making the connections between two plus two is four 
or two plus three is five. Yeah, and we have taking... those rectangular butter crackers, and yeah. they have nine holes in them. And I, I was listening to him the other morning as we were eating, and he was like, three and three and three is nine. And I'm like, yes, yes, it is. So it just, because every kid is so individual, you've got to find the way, but it's you need more people who can take the time to find the way to reach out to these kids individually instead of trying to teach them all the same And way. I know it's not easy no. for Sarah. I no. know it's not. But it's because she cares. Yeah. I um, After Ava and Wesley had her, I... I found this great saying on the mug. I'm probably going to screw it up somehow, but I made her a coffee mug and it was something like, oh, I wish I could remember exactly, but it was something like today I am not going to scream and I'm not going to cry and I'm not going to pull out my hair because I am the teacher. (laughs) And I mean, it was so reminded me of her because you would just have these mm-hmm. days and and I know as a parent and she knows as a parent and that that knowledge uh, that we shared just it bonds you mm-hmm. and I when we went back to Wisconsin we we met with her and it was so like ah, you get it mm-hmm. and I I just I would I begged her to teach second grade after Taylor had her in first grade. And then when we got to Ava and Wesley in first grade, I was like, oh, thank God she didn't go to third grade with Taylor, right? Right, yeah. And then when they got to the end of first grade, I cried. I was like, please go to second grade. And when we moved, I'm like, hey, how about Oregon? (laughs) If we were independently wealthy. Yeah. I would have two teachers, right? You would have two teachers, Mrs. Palmer and Alyssa. Yep. Because Alyssa is the therapist that is the best therapist. She is one of the best. It's because in the same way the Mrs. Palmer cares, she cares. Yeah, and then she really created a bond in the same way that Mrs. Palmer did with our kids. They created a bond with our kids. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, if the child doesn't trust you, they're not going to learn from you. So I, I, yeah, there's not a lot of bright stars in education. Mm -hmm. There should be more. It's so important. I wish people would fund education. And I wish there was definitely more Sarah's and Alyssa's too. Mm-hmm. be there for our kids and I wish that they were more supported they should be allowed to advocate they should be allowed to the funding they need to provide mm-hmm. the services um, yeah I don't know why we have such trouble with that I feel like the Everything from the return on it to the importance of it to just the fact that it's the right thing to do makes it so brain-dead simple, and yet we can't do it. Yeah. Sounds like the world right now, doesn't it? Yeah. So on that happy note, (laughs) 
wonderful listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode. We you, miss you, Mrs. Palmer. Yes, we miss you. Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> send us, I don't know, say hi. Um, if you would like to reach out to us, you can reach us on Twitter at John Stannis or Julie, which is uh, JJ Stannis. Or you can send us a message on the website. Um, I don't know what else to say, but thanks for listening and look for those bright stars. Invest in education. Invest. Money well spent. Mm-hmm. Smudgy, smudgy, bye-bye. Oh. <laughs>